Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I have some exciting news. In addition to this podcast, I am beginning another podcast that will feature steamy and ultra-steamy romance novels. These will be available on the platform Ream Stories. Ream Stories is busy finalizing the ability to upload audiobooks to their site. As soon as it's up, I'll let you know and you can listen to the steamy side of Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl. Please stop by my page to see what's already available at tinyurl.com slash reamcherish. The ebook is now available on Amazon. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 33 Assam Tamir pulled into the parking space and stared at the building in front of him. The five-sided monstrosity was a symbol of American strength and pride to hundreds of millions, but to him it was a symbol of tyranny a place where bullies schemed and plotted their domination over the week. He'd moved to the States with his family in his teens. The transition had been difficult. He read the hatred and mistrust in the faces of his classmates as they either glared or refused to make eye contact with him. But he kept his head down, followed the rules, and remained faithful to his beliefs. During his high school years, the imam at the mosque nurtured him during the rough transition and solidified his desire to make a difference for his faith. When the imam told him how he could help their cause through service in the military, he jumped at the opportunity. Assam participated in the ROTC program his senior year of high school and went to boot camp a month after graduating. Boot camp was physically challenging, but he'd done the hard work to prepare for it. With his fluency in several Middle Eastern languages and understanding of the culture and society, his knowledge was invaluable to the Americans. He'd quickly rose through the ranks and participated in top-secret missions, but when he landed the job at the Pentagon, he'd hit the jackpot. With his security clearance, he passed along information to his friends in the Middle East to alert them of upcoming attacks and therefore ensured their protection. And now, as evening approached and his co-workers were going home, Assam eased through security and walked through the maze-like corridors to his station. He had research to do and people to find. He passed a few friends along the way. He gave the appropriate head nod and easy smile that he'd perfected to disguise his heart. As far as he knew, they all believed his con and trusted his patriotism. He often went drinking with his co-workers, celebrating significant events that occurred in the field but he knew that the war on terror would never end. There was always someone waiting to take the place of the fallen. Assam stepped into his cubicle. A few accolades hung on the cubicle walls. A small American flag stood on the desktop in the corner. Easing into the chair, he glanced at the picture of his wife and young son. Aliyah and Dawood meant everything to him. He worked diligently to ensure that the world of deception he'd created wouldn't tumble down on them. He didn't want their faces to be splashed on television news programs or paraded through the gossip magazines. That propelled his desire to figure out what was going on and work to contain it before his cover was blown. Taking a deep breath, he focused on settling the acid burning its way up his throat as he logged into his computer. He knew the information he wanted would be buried somewhere in the system behind layers of protection, but he was good at puzzles. He would connect the dots to figure out what he needed to know. 
It had taken him months of collecting data and filling in the blanks to discover the team that took out Abdul Hashim during the Operation Recluse. Even though the unit's members' identities were protected, he'd been able to figure out which teams were in the field and which teams were waiting to be called up. Once he deduced which teams were in the field, he then focused on discovering the location of the various teams to narrow down the possible teams until he figured out the team members' names. But right now, he was crunched for time. He swiped his hand over his chin as he waited for his computer to load. He'd made it through security when he'd entered the building, but that didn't mean that he was safe. If Hazim had given up his name, then they could be watching him so they could catch him in the act. That reality chilled his blood. He pulled open his desk drawer and popped a few antacids. Then he logged into the directory and searched through the company's psychiatrists. One of them was with Hazim, probing his mind for names and information that would betray the cause. Assam needed to know who was interrogating Hazim and where Hazim was being held. Once he determined Hazim's location, he would kill him. The man had served his purpose. Hazim's ultimate act of loyalty would be death. Chapter 34 Ryan slid behind the wheel of a rental car as Logan took the passenger seat. He gave a quick glance at Logan and noted that Logan's lips were pressed together in a tight line and there were dark bags under his eyes. He couldn't imagine the emotional toll this was having on Logan because from his point of view, Logan had fallen for Aditya and watching her kill herself in his house was doing a number on him. Logan pulled the seatbelt across his chest and buckled it. The image of Aditya blowing her brains out repeatedly played in his mind. Would she haunt him forever? Ryan typed in the address for Nanogen and glanced at Logan. Logan's laptop was open on his thighs as he logged in. We should be there in 15 minutes, Ryan said when the GPS loaded the address. Good. I've confirmed the meeting with Dr. Kapoor. He's expecting us. Of course. Dr. Kapoor didn't know about their connection with Aditya. As far as Dr. Kapoor was concerned, Logan and Ryan were investigating the uses of nanotechnology in the battle against terrorism. Nerves bubbled in Logan and morphed into an overflowing nausea that threatened to ascend his throat. He dug through his backpack for the bottle of antacids and popped a few. The chalky taste was almost as bad as the nausea, since he didn't have any water to wash it down. The Nanogen campus was beautiful. The large office buildings were tucked into a wooded area with a lake sprawling on one of the borders. Ryan drove through the campus until he found the correct building. The parking areas were emptying as evening overtook the day. Ryan and Logan walked into the building and checked in with security in the building lobby. She printed their name tags and told them to wait for Dr. Kapoor. Sai Kapoor had been surprised when he'd received a request for a meeting with this security company based outside of D.C. He frequently met with government and military types to discuss the use of nanotechnology, but for some reason, this didn't seem right. His meetings were usually arranged in advance, and he didn't understand why the men wanted to fly to him instead of meet through telepresence. Sai took the elevator down to the lobby. He assessed the men as he approached them. One was a tall Asian who clearly worked out, but not to the extent of his partner. The white man looked like a red-headed superman. He was dressed like a common man in jeans and a long-sleeved polo shirt, but from his stance and cut of his body, there was clearly nothing common about him. Their eyes bore through sigh like lasers cutting diamonds. 
He felt stripped and critiqued as he approached them. He did his best to cover his discomfort. Tucking his hands behind his back, he greeted them with a polite head nod. Gentlemen, I'm Dr. Kapoor. I assume you are from Savage Security. Logan held out his hand. Yes, I am Logan Murphy. This is my partner, Ryan Marks. Dr. Kapoor was tall and thin. He looked almost frail with his narrow chest and sunken face. He looked like a man who'd lost everything and was struggling to make it through the day. Nice to meet you. So I replied as he shook their hands and signaled towards the doors that led into the heart of the building. Please, follow me. I hope to answer your questions in my office. Ryan was impressed by the building. Its outer walls were windows that allowed in generous amounts of light, while the interior was laid out like a maze. Corridors and cubicles made up the large rooms. After working their way through the building and up to the top floor, Dr. Kapoor stopped at a door that bore his nameplate. Ah, here we are. Welcome to my home away from home. His smile didn't reach his eyes. He'd learned how to fake happiness and contentment. He realized he'd never experienced those emotions again. Thankfully, as his heart shriveled, it dulled the pain that constantly sliced away at him. But the ache was never ending. They entered Dr. Kapoor's corner office. Floor-to-ceiling windows lined the exterior walls and overlooked the lake on Nanagin's property. A large desk was to the side, allowing him to gaze at the water as he worked. He frequently enjoyed spotting the pair of herons that hid in the wild grasses that edged the lake. Geese also made the lake their home. Sai walked around his desk and motioned to the chairs that faced him. He eased into his chair and settled his hands on his lap as Ryan and Logan sat in the chairs across from him. It was obvious to Ryan that Dr. Kapoor was depressed, so he tried to lighten the mood. This is a wonderful view, Ryan said, motioning towards the window. I bet it's beautiful in the fall. Tall trees lined the farthest side of the lake, and their bony, bare arms were reflected in the still water. Yes, very beautiful, Sai replied. Not even the beauty of fall, when the trees donned their glorious colors, softened his heart. He was a clown, misery masked by the smiling facade he wore. How can I help you? Logan studied the Indian man across from him. Did he know about Aditya's death? Was that why he looked so sad? Dr. Kapoor, as you know, we work for Savage Security. We provide security to private companies. We also have contacts in the government through our years within the military. On one of our operations, we came across a piece of technology that, quite frankly, blew my mind. Logan reached into his backpack and pulled out a small acrylic box. Putting one finger on the top and one on the bottom of the box, he leaned forward and set the box on Dr. Kapoor's desk. Sai leaned forward and picked up the acrylic box and studied it. He recognized the tiny item inside the box as the bug he'd given to Aditya. He knew giving her the bug was risky. Illegal, even. But he'd done it anyway. He was willing to pay for his sins, his failures as a father, if it came down to it. He'd never regret the help he'd given Aditya. Sai set the box on the desk and leaned back in his chair. May I ask how this came into your possession? Do you know what it is? He asked, unsure how much they knew. He didn't want to give them more information than needed. Logan pointed to the box. It's a bug, but you know that already. Logan studied the man before him. 
Dr. Kapoor's lips were pressed together. Dr. Kapoor, please don't waste our time. We need to know why you gave this to Aditya Chopra. At Aditya's name, Sai's glance leapt from the contents of the acrylic box to the men before him. The name sounds familiar. His gut churned. Were these men Aditya's friends, or were they searching for her? Had something horrible happened to her? Logan shook his head in disgust as he dug into his backpack. He pulled out the pictures from the small photo album they found in Aditya's hotel. He set the printed copies on Dr. Kapora's desk. Please don't play stupid, anger-filled Logan. The frail man before him held answers to many of his questions, yet the man was being difficult. Dr. Kapoor's hand shook as he reached across the desk and picked up the pictures. He pressed his lips together tightly as he fought back the tears. The three girls had been inseparable. Their love of life shot out from the page through their bright eyes and joyful smiles. Swallowing hard, Sai asked, Where did you get these? Logan let the silence fill the space between them before he replied, Dr. Kapoor, I'm very sorry to inform you that Aditya Chopra is dead. Sai closed his eyes, wishing he could shut his ears to the terrible news. The last of the trio was dead. His lips quivered as his eyes puddled with tears. May I ask how? Were you friends? He asked and gestured towards Logan with his hand. Logan struggled to maintain his self-control. He wanted to scream, to cry, to throw the awards and accolades that sat on Dr. Kapoor's shelves in a revolt against his heart. Seeing the man fight to control himself mirrored the feelings that threatened to overpower Logan. Ryan studied Dr. Kapoor and Logan. They were both clearly struggling to keep it together. He didn't want to step in. Logan was doing a good job with the man. So he waited patiently to see what would happen. Logan inhaled deeply. Aditya and I were seeing each other. The other night, she committed suicide. He didn't elaborate on why she was seeing him. Suicide. The word hung in the air like a suffocating smog that stank up the room and made breathing difficult. Sai set the pictures back on the desk. No one said anything. Dr. Kapoor's eyes were locked on the pile of pictures while Logan's eyes were frozen on Dr. Kapoor. Seeing that they were at a stalemate, Ryan spoke up. Dr. Kapoor, we know of your connection with Aditya. She was someone you watched grow into a beautiful woman. But somewhere along the line, she changed. She transformed from a happy young woman to a killer. I believe you already know that. We need to understand why. We need to know what you know. Sai stood and walked slowly to the window. He stood with his hands behind his back as he looked at the water. Aditya and Rhea were Priya's best friends. They loved each other like sisters. People often confused them for triplets. He chuckled. They were smart, beautiful, and they had the world ahead of them. He swallowed hard. Everything changed the day Priya disappeared. Sai caught a glimpse of the heron as it descended on the water and snatched a fish in its talons. Life is predictable. Creatures are given life. They struggle to survive until finally a predator snatches them to devour. And even if the predator is evaded, there is no escaping the Grim Reaper. Everything dies. What happened? Ryan asked. He needed to know the story. Sai turned and looked at the two men. 
Priya was visiting family in India with my wife. They went shopping in the open market. He moved his hand through the air, and poof, Priya disappeared. He looked back towards the lake. I don't know if you're aware, but my cousin is Amin Sood. It is not something I typically share. Fuck. This just kept getting more and more complex. Do you mean the Amin Sood? Ryan asked. Sai turned around and nodded to the men. Yes, the Amin Sood, the man responsible for thousands of deaths. Amin Sood had gained popularity and power with the disenfranchised as American forces took out the top Taliban and ISIS leaders. He filled the vacuum their deaths created by sending his followers to regions in conflict and setting up cells of followers. Drugs and human trafficking were the vices that funded his fanaticism. Sai faced the lake again. The crystalline water was more soothing than the shock on the men's faces. Amin's brother, Balasud, disagreed with Amin. He tried to convince Amin that what he was doing was wrong. Sai faced the men. My cousin, Bala, is a good Muslim. He says his prayers, goes to the mosque, helps the poor. Bala embraces love and peace. Amin never had any use for those concepts. Even as a child, he caused problems and grief to those around him. Sai returned his gaze to the lake. Amin decided to teach Bala and the other family members a lesson. They were to submit to him, and he showed them what would happen if they didn't. Walking to his desk, he picked up a picture frame and held it delicately, as if the lightest touch of his fingers could turn it to ash in his hands. Priya paid the price. He loved this picture. It was taken the day Priya graduated from college. In it, his arm was wrapped around her shoulders and they both smiled with pride. Ryan and Logan sat in silence and allowed the man a quiet moment. Dr. Kapoor's eyes puddled with tears as he grazed his fingertip over the picture. Amin took Priya, used her in his brothels and then had her killed. It was a very powerful message to Bala and the other family members who disagreed with him. If they didn't support him, their loved ones would suffer the same fate. There had been no mentioning of a kidnapping or sexual abuse in the coroner's report. It only mentioned that Priya had been shot through the head and found in the streets of a slum in Pakistan. Dr. Kapoor's story explained the misery and sadness that oozed from him. Ryan let out a slow breath. I'm sorry for your loss. He knew the words were insufficient. Dr. Kapoor returned the photo to the desk and inhaled deeply. Yes, it is horrific. Not a day goes by that I don't think of her. I struggle to keep the images out of my head, but each day I lose. Logan felt sick. He couldn't imagine losing a loved one to the deviant world of human trafficking. This story, ex- this story explained Aditya's hatred for the men who abused women so violently, and losing her sister had pushed her over the edge. She'd become an avenger seeking justice for the lost and helpless. Logan took a deep, studying breath and asked, Dr. Kapoor, what was your relationship with Aditya? Why did you give her the bug? Dr. Kapoor finally sat behind his desk again. After Priya's murder, Aditya came to me. You have to understand, he said, his eyes pleading with them. Aditya is... He paused a moment and then corrected himself. Was highly intelligent. She had a powerful sense of right and wrong. 
She didn't see the world in gray. Of course, she understood the gray lines towed by Minnie, but she couldn't embrace those gray lines. But when Priya was killed, and then Rhea left with that American boy who changed his name to Hazim, Dr. Kapoor shook his head in disgust. It blurred Aditya's perception of black and white and tossed her into the world of gray, the world of vigilante justice. She understood the difficulty countries have when fighting a war on terror, the butterfly effect. Remove one person, and another one usually rises to power who is worse than the first. Start a war in one area, and other nations join, and soon you're encumbered in a world war. There are no easy answers to this mess. Dr. Kapoor took a deep breath and then continued. At first, I didn't know what Aditya was doing. You see, I have contacts throughout the Middle East. She asked me for introductions, and I provided them. He paused and motioned with his hand. It wasn't until she'd killed several men that I became suspicious of what she was doing. The dates of her travel lined up with the dates of men being killed. He inhaled deeply and let out a heavy sigh. After her sister died, she armored herself in an unbreakable shell. It was like she'd walled up her personality and joy and replaced them with disenchantment and a sense of mission. Dr. Kapoor shook his head in sadness. I didn't like the change in her, but there was nothing I could do about it. When I finally pieced it together, I wanted to protect her. He pointed to the acrylic box on his desk. When she asked me for a bug, something undetectable, I felt I had to help her. She was the last one. He pointed to the pictures. I only wanted to protect her. I didn't know what she wanted it for. I didn't want to know, but I gave it to her. Ryan pieced together Dr. Kapoor's story and filled in the blanks. The contacts. They helped her get in to see the men, didn't they? They'd wondered how she managed to get alone time with some of her kills. Dr. Kapoor nodded. Yes. They put her in touch with the right people that could give her information and access to the men she wanted to kill. I do not know specifics. I tried to stay out of it. While I've never killed anyone, I harbor the desire in my heart. I'd love to destroy the lives of the people who hurt Priya. It would not bring her back, but I would feel a nominal amount of justice and know that they would never hurt another person again. How long had you been seeing Aditya? Was it too much to hope that she wanted to leave that life behind? That she'd somehow escaped the black hole of vengeance and found happiness? Logan didn't want to reveal too much. Neither did he want to hurt Dr. Kapoor any more than he already was. The man obviously struggled to make it through each day and didn't deserve the pain that engulfed him. We hadn't been together long. Logan paused. But I cared deeply about her. That was true. He did care about her. And learning her background, understanding why she did what she did, only added to his pain. Although her flesh bore no scars, the pain and devastation had destroyed her heart. She wasn't just a killer. She was a victim. A true smile broke free on Dr. Kapoor's face as he nodded. She was happy with you? He liked the looks of Logan. He had kind eyes. Logan inhaled deeply. This meeting with Dr. Kapoor was much more difficult than he'd anticipated. I'd like to think so. Bella's words about Aditya not being able to kill him shattered the walls of anger that he'd built around his heart. Bella was right. Aditya's feelings for him must have been real even if they hadn't started that way. Dr. Kapoor rubbed the scruff on his chin and gazed out the window. 
She must have felt threatened to kill herself. Death would be much kinder than ending up in their hands. She'd promised me that she'd die before she'd let them take her. He looked at Logan. Of course, that promise brought little comfort, but I couldn't bear to see her suffer the way Priya had. He took a deep breath and continued. I guess, in a morbid way, I'm glad that she had the strength to end her life on her terms instead of suffering at the hands of monsters. Logan's stomach churned as nausea percolated through his system. Is there a restroom I can use? Yes, of course, Dr. Kapoor replied, pointing to the door. Take a right out of the door. You'll see it at the end of the hall. Ryan had been quiet most of the meeting, but his mind hadn't stopped calculating. If Dr. Kapoor was Amin Sood's cousin, and he'd be able to connect Aditya to the slime that she killed, then Dr. Kapoor's connections were extensive. He obviously knew people who knew people. Ryan needed to contact Captain Wallace. Perhaps Sai Kapoor would make an excellent asset for the CIA. He certainly had the motive. Captain Wallace would know who to contact to recruit Dr. Kapoor. Ryan waited for the door to close behind Logan and then cleared his throat. May I ask you a question? Dr. Kapoor adjusted his position in the chair. Of course. Were you ever concerned for your safety? You were doing some very dangerous things. If Amin Sood's people realized your part in Aditya's actions, he'd kill you. Sai glanced at the pictures that lay on his desk and then looked at the picture of himself with Priya. My wife died of cancer shortly after Priya's death. He cleared his throat and reined in his emotions. That was why they took the trip to India. My wife was in remission and wanted to see her family again while she was still in good health. I am a shell of a man. I have nothing to live for. He spread his hands out. This, work, is my only solace. Here I can draw myself in science and incredible revelations about the world around us. It challenges my head, keeps me out of my heart. If I die, then maybe, perhaps by some miracle of God, I will be reunited with my family. So I helped Aditya in her mission. I assure you, there is nothing left of me for Amin to destroy. Would you be willing to talk to a friend of mine? I'd like to give him your name. Dr. Kapoor studied the man across from him. Ryan Marks was unknown to him, but he could draw plenty of conclusions about the broad, well-muscled man sitting in his office. You are ex-military, correct? Yes, Ryan nodded. You want to use me. I assume this man will have connections to an intelligence agency? Yes. Sai took in a deep breath and stared out the window as he thought about his future. I have no training in the field of spycraft, he said, making eye contact with Ryan. Being an asset was never in my life plan, but I will talk to someone, he said resolutely. Thank you, Ryan replied. Someone will be in contact with you. Ryan stood and glanced at the pile of photos. He hated to say it, but he had to. I need the pictures. They're part of our investigation. Sai stretched his hand out and picked up the pile of pictures. Standing, he handed it to Ryan. Thank you for telling me about Aditya. I would have heard it eventually, but I'm glad to know that she found happiness in the end. Ryan wasn't about to destroy Dr. Kapoor's hopes that Aditya had turned some corner and found happiness. With an affirming head nod, he made his departure and joined Logan in the hallway.
Thank you for sharing your time with me. The next chapters in Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl will be live tomorrow. If you can't wait for the next chapters to be released, you can purchase Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl by Cherish Lively on Amazon's Vela and KDP platform. To keep up with various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow my secret obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively. Or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.